Be sure to get down, good Lord, with the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. You can't get them out of your mind, no. They talk about the sports all the time. Welcome to Two Idiots Talking Sports. I'm your host, Alex. Trying something new today. We're potting solo. I threw out the back signal. NBA Finals start tomorrow. And I couldn't get anybody on. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff going on. I've had a bunch of thoughts on the NBA, and I was tired of waiting, so I'm just going to try it on my own, see how we go. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of different things today. We're going to touch on the playoffs and what's happened, although it's all pretty dated now. The finals are tomorrow, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. The NBA lottery happened. I'm interested about talking about that, maybe a little mock draft. And then, of course, our NBA finals preview, and we'll just see how it goes. So let's take a look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks in the NBA playoffs. It's it's not uh, a shocker, but the playoffs have been a dud. Okay, the, Looking at the West, the Westbrook-Harden series was a dud. You know, the Jazz Clippers went seven, which was fun, but not exciting and very forgettable. I thought the Harden-Kawhi-Rockets-Spurs series was fun. Until Harden completely flamed out, which was bizarre. I know this was a while ago, but I agree with Stephen A. Smith that Harden's going to be haunted by this for years, especially for the fact that footage came out of him at the club just having a blast after they lost in Game 6, and he just had the worst game of seemingly his career. So I don't know what's going on there. I expect more to come out from that. Uh, it's kind of a disappointing season, uh, way to end the season for Harden and the Rockets. Spurs Warriors was a snoozer as well. The Warriors have swept everyone going to the finals with little to no drama at all. The first half of Spurs Warriors was amazing because Kawhi was fantastic, and then Zaza takes him out, and and then the rest happens. So the West for the whole for, as a whole has been boring. We could skip over that. Looking at the East, the first round, who cares? We're not even going to talk about that. Wizards-Celtics. This was probably my favorite series of the playoffs. One, because, you know, I know a lot of Wizards fans. I was rooting for Wall. I thought the Wizards were fun, and the Celtics, kind of this rivalry coming over from the regular season. Even though most of these games were blowouts, I thought it was fun to watch Wall, and you know, just kind of become superstar status. Wall is no longer an all-star. He elevated his game to superstar status. I thought Bradley Beal was fantastic. You know, carrying them, especially game six, was game six was maybe the best play, uh, best game of the playoffs. Game seven was good too until Olenek just went off and just buried the, <laughs> the most shocking turn of events. Olenek just buries the Wizards. But game two and three, game two, uh, Isaiah's 53-point uh, game, Wall's big three at the end of game six, those were t- two of the best moments in these entire playoffs from one series. I think looking forward, the Wizards are in a really interesting spot because they got Otto Porter as a free agent, which anyone who listens to this podcast knows, Zach and I have talked about at length. 
And we've flip-flopped a lot on, do they re-sign Otto? They have to re-sign Otto. No, they don't re-sign Otto. Otto was pretty bad and forgettable in the playoffs. Bad, I think, is harsh. He just played like a role player. But the problem is he's going to want a max deal because a team like Brooklyn or Philly or someone will give him a max deal because there's money to be spent. He's 23. He's a two-way player. He's improved every season. He's everything that is the modern NBA. He could guard many positions, you know, switch everything, which is what all these good teams do. Even though right when the playoffs ended, I was ready to say the Wizards should let, you know, let Otto go. They're better off finding other things. I've since changed my tune. And this is my final, even though I flip-flopped on this a million times, my final stance is the Wizards need to bring Otto back. And that's mainly because they're not going to get anyone better. If they learned anything from last offseason with the whole KD fiasco, free agents don't sign in Washington. They just don't. And if you think you're going to upgrade over Otto Porter, you're not. Unless you just overpay for a veteran for a year or two worth of service, which is pretty short-sighted. You know, Wall is only, what, 26, 27? Beal is 22, 23. Uh, uh, and Otto's only 23. You can't afford to let assets like that just walk. Even if it's a max deal, even though that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Wizards fans, you bring him back because you're not going to get Blake Griffin. You're not going to get Gallinari. You're not going to get Hayward. And you could try and like plug holes by overpaying like Iguodala if he hits the market or Zach Rand. You know, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what the right move for them is. So I think they have to bring back Otto. They have their core of Otto, who you hope just continues to improve. He's gotten better every season. He plays well off of Beal. He plays well off a of wall. He runs the court. You know, you just you got to keep getting him confidence, keep getting him in the playoffs. If they retain their assets, they still have their mid-level exception. I think they need a third guard. They have Sadoransky, but he didn't play a lot in the playoffs. I think great fits for them with their mid-level would be Sean Livingston, Darren Collison. He'd be great. I can't imagine they could afford him. I think Ian Clark would be good, Rodney Stuckey, Cephalosha. These are all guys like guards, ball handlers, guys who could defend. Where I think the Wizards are in trouble is the center position. Because even though every Wizards fan loves Gortat, and whenever I start trash-talking Gortat, they want to kill me. Uh, Gortat was awful against the Celtics, especially down the stretch. I don't know if he just got tired. I know he's older, but he just disappeared. He was nowhere to be found in Game 7. Pretty bad most of the playoffs. They've paid Mahimi to really kind of be their heir apparent. The problem is he could barely stay on the court. And quite frankly, I don't like the way Mahimi totally meshes with Wall and Beal and Otto. He's great defensively. I don't even think he's really that overpaid. If you look at what NBA centers make, I know he got a ridiculous, I think he got $64 million over four years. I don't think Mahimi's that overpaid. I just don't know if he's the right fit to be their starting center to be running the court. So I don't think they could trade Gortat because there's so many centers on the market. I don't know how they move him, and he's like 33. He's got, I think, one year left on his deal. This is what I think is his last year of his deal. So I'll be curious to see what they do there. They're going to have to get another guy. If they strike out on all those others, Livingston, Collison, all those guys I said, even though it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially they already have two centers, but if they can move one of them, I think Alex Len, who they could get for cheap, 
Could be interesting to run the court. I know Zach would hate that move. I think he hates Alex Len. But young, I want to see him with like a young Tyson Chandler kind of guy. A guy who runs the court, gets dunks, could defend the rim a little, picking walls with John Roll. And Gortat's been great at that, but I just don't think if Wizards fans are being honest, Gortat's going to be their starting center if they're going to win a championship. So I know that's a lot of Wizards, but we got a lot of Wizards listeners, so I got to touch on the Wizards. All right. Celtics, Cavs. I mean, the Western Conference Finals, we kind of touched on. Spurs, uh, Warriors, Cruz. Celtics, Cavs was boring. IT gets hurt. Series is basically over there. Cavs have just been cruise control. So have the Warriors. But it's not all bad for the Celtics. The Celtics going into the Eastern Conference Finals, win the NBA lottery with probably the most lopsided trade in, in maybe sports history getting uh, the Brooklyn Nets first-round pick. As a big Knicks fan, of course, this was devastating. Not that the Knicks got the eighth. Like, the Knicks get the eighth pick. They were technically slotted to get the seventh. That doesn't kill me. What kills me is that the Knicks have been probably the worst team in the league for the past 20 years. And you have the Celtics, who are the number one seed in the East and won an NBA championship less than a decade ago, and they get the number one pick overall. And then the Lakers, who have been in danger of losing their pick two years in a row, get the third, uh, get the second pick for the third straight year. And they're coming off a dynasty. It, it's teams like this, like these story teams, you know, Celtics, old NBA, Lakers, you know, historic old NBA. The Knicks are old NBA too. And wh- I don't understand why the Knicks can't get lucky once. So two superstar teams retain their picks when they needed them most, and the Knicks get the eighth pick. That being said, I spent a lot of time looking at drafts, so I'm going to give you guys my quick five-minute NBA mock draft. Just not-so-knee-jerk reaction, top ten picks. Okay, with the first pick... No shocker here, the Celtics are taking Markel Fultz. He's the best player in the draft. The next, Dwayne Wade, T-Mac, point guard, pick-and-roll guy. He's going to be awesome. I love this for the Celtics. People have been like, should they trade this pick? Are they competing for now? Are they competing for later? Who cares? You just you, you They're getting younger. They're also signing Al Horford. They're just doing everything. And LeBron, which we'll talk about plenty of the finals, we'll talk about all that. I think the Celtics just keep doing what they're doing and they'll be fine. And and Fultz, I think, is going to be great for them. Because now you get Isaiah off the ball a little bit. And Avery Bradley was really good in the playoffs. I'm, I love Avery Bradley's game. But I think Fultz fits in perfectly with Isaiah. And then you have a guy who could kind of handle the ball and get to the rim, get baskets, so Isaiah doesn't have to do everything. Plus, they're going to go out and probably sign. I like Gallinari. They're going to go after Gordon Hayward. Or other, you know, front court players, whoever. They're going to be able to go after big name players and they're going to get the number one pick in the draft. So they'll be fine. The Lakers, for the match made in heaven, they get Lonzo Ball. I don't have, you know, LeVar. I actually think LeVar is going to kind of shut up once Lonzo's on an NBA team. And I, I have no comment on the, his shoes and everything else. I'm sure Zach, when Zach, we get Zach back on, I want to hear about what he thinks of Lonzo's shoes. But I think Lonzo Ball for the Lakers is a great fit. I don't think they need to trade D'Angelo Russell. 
It'll be curious. I'm curious to see what happens there, though. Sixers, this is where the draft gets interesting. I think they're going to look hard at Josh Jackson, who's the third best player in the draft. They're going to look hard at the Aaron Fox, who's skyrocketing up uh, draft boards. Everyone loves him, myself included. But I think they're going to take, or who I think they should take, if I was a GM of the Sixers, I would take Malik Monk. And I know it's a reach, but he's the best shooter in the draft by a mile. And the Sixers have a bunch of big guys that could do good stuff. You know, Josh, Josh Jackson, who's a great talent, he can't shoot really. So you bring him in, it doesn't make sense. Darren Fox is great, but they want Ben Simmons handling the ball. So I think Fox makes more sense than Jackson. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they take Fox here. You know, Tatum maybe. But I like Malik Monk because he's just going to open up the court for them. Now you have Ben Simmons. You could play Monk at the two. You got Saric, who's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Okafor, who I still kind of like. I know Zach hates him. And Bede, you know, trust the process. I also kind of like him to sign Kyle Lowry, who I think would be a great fit on their team. So mixing it up a little bit. I like Malik Monk at three. Suns at four get perfect fit. Josh Jackson, I think the third best player in the draft. Think of a defensive lockdown version of Andrew Wiggins. He's going to be great. I think he still needs another year or two to work on his offensive game. But they're loaded at guard. They got Bloodsoe. They got uh, Booker. They got Ulysses, who I have a huge man crush on. You add Jack. They don't have a three, though. So they bring in Jackson. Then they got Chris, Bender. They've got a ton of young guys. I don't know when they're going to be good. I mean, that team probably doesn't even win 30 games next year because they're all still 22 years old. But Jackson is exactly what they need. A real defensive wing player. They've got young frontcourt guys. they got young guards, so they're taking Jackson. Kings at five. No-brainer here. They get the, a dream scenario for them. They get the Aaron Fox. That's who they want more than anyone. Poor man John's Wall. John Wall. Perfect match fit. It just makes sense. They don't have a point guard. Darren Collison is their starting point guard, so they're taking the Aaron Fox. Orlando. They take Jason Tatum. I mean, Orlando is just a mess. I see a young Mello in Tatum. He's not as big. He's not like banging at the rim like Mello does, but the most polished, ready for the NBA offensive player in this draft. He's a scorer. He loves the mid-range game. He'd actually be good for the Knicks if they didn't already have Mello. Um, but they need a three, and they have no stars. They have no face. I think they'll be tempted with Dennis Smith for his upside, but Tatum is safe. And Orlando needs a safe pick. So they take Jason Tatum. Number seven, the Timberwolves. This is the pick I'm watching most closely, because outside the Knicks, obviously. Because to me, this is the pick most likely to get traded. The Timberwolves, who were like wanted to take, make the leap last year, Thibodeau wants to make the playoffs. He wants to compete. And quite frankly, I think he's losing. I know it's his first year, but he's losing his mind coaching all these young guys. And I think he sees it. He's like, I don't want to be around for five years developing these guys. I've got Towns. I've got Wiggins. They like Dunn, even though he didn't have a great rookie year. They got Rubio, who they might trade. Levine coming off ACL. I mean, guys who people like him to take, Jonathan Isaac, he's a stretch four. He's a project. I mean, he averaged like 12 points last year. He weighs 190 pounds, and he's like 6'11". So I like, I mean, if they take anyone, I think they take him, but I think they're going to look hard at trading this pick. Maybe try and package it with Levine, who's coming off ACL, so they probably can't even move him. If Levine was healthy, I would love them to package this pick with Levine for like and just go for Butler and George. Butler probably they couldn't get. 
George wouldn't make sense because he's probably leaving for the Lakers, but why not? Instead, I'd like to see him package Wiggins and the seven for the number one pick overall. That way the Celtics, I don't think the Celtics would do it, but the Celtics could take Wiggins, a wing score that they need, and then they get they still have money, so they could go out and sign a Gallinari, or they could still go after Hayward, because Hayward plays the two, and Wiggins plays the three. And then the Timberwolves get Fultz in Towns, which would be, I mean, that'd be the next Kobe and Shaq. So Timberwolves, would that'd be a tough pill to swallow because I think they want to win now, but that'd be fun. Finally, the Knicks, my Knicks. I like, uh, I think they're going to go with the Euro kid, Frank Nilakina is how you pronounce it. Uh, Zach only wants me to call him Frank because he doesn't like the way his last name is spelled or pronounced. Knicks love Euros. He's tall. He's the best shooting guard and the point guard in the in the draft of these like awesome point guard. This awesome point guard draft. He is a little bit of a project, but he plays defense. I don't know who else in this draft is a really good defender from the guard position besides Jackson. I mean, Jackson's a wing. But the Knicks are the worst defense. I mean, Derrick Rose was the worst defensive point guard in the league last year. Neil Aquino, his offense will take time to develop. They need, probably need to sign someone else to kind of help him out. But he's European. The Knicks love. They've been hitting home runs with all these European moves the last three or four years. He could shoot. He fits the triangle perfectly, which I hate the triangle, but Phil's, the, Phil's running the team for two more years. So it makes sense that they bring in a guy that fits their system. He's a position of need. I'm also completely talking myself into this. I'm like trying to talk myself out of Dennis Smith, who seems completely boomer bust, but I see the next D Francis and I'm just like in love with every highlight reel I see of him. Dennis, uh, so we'll see. I, I think they're going to take Neil Aquina. I wouldn't call it safe because he's European and they just don't know. You don't know those guys, but he could be the next Exum, which is not great. Or he could be a stud, three-point shooting, big, longer version of Tony Parker or something like that. And I'm okay with that. Uh, also Knicks-related, I'm like, just for like two seconds, Przingis is not going to the Clippers. Przingis is not getting traded. They would literally burn down Madison Square Garden if they traded Przingis. He's the most loved player in New York since Patrick Ewing. Also, no rookie has ever turned down max extension money. Like, Przingis might not be happy with Phil. Phil is 70-something. Like, he's going to be gone in a year or two. He's got two years left on his deal, and they're, gonna, they're probably not going to be good the next two years. So I think Phil is gone and done after that. Right in line with that, the Knicks are going to offer him a $200 million extension. He's 21. They're not, he's not going to turn that down. So I'm not worried about Przingis leaving. Everything's fine. I'm also just trying to talk myself into that as well because I can't even fathom or imagine my emotional reaction to the next trading Przingis. So I'm going to move on. Dallas Mavericks at nine. I like dream scenario for them. They get Dennis Smith. And I'm officially all in on the Mavs rebuild. Dennis Smith, super exciting young bouncy point guard. Harrison Barnes, the really I'm a B option, but I think I'm a one option and I'm just going to keep shooting and be the man. He's young. I like his story coming from the Warriors. He had a sneaky, nice year on a terrible team. And then Nerlens Noel, who's going to get a ton of money this summer, but the Mavericks have. He's restricted, so the Mavs will keep him. Smith, Barnes, Noel. 
they're all 24 or younger, 25 or younger. That's pretty for the Mavs winning a championship a couple of years ago. And like, what do they have? They have, they have Dirk, they have nothing. And then they get those three guys. That's pretty good. So I like, if that happens, I love it for the Mavs. Otherwise, I think they take Neil Aquino if he drops. And then lastly, the Kings take Lowry Markinen from Arizona. I've been talking about this draft too long. He could shoot. The Kings, you know, everyone killed the Kings, including, I think, Zach and I for the boogie trade. They get the fifth and tenth pick. You know, Buddy Heald looked all right once he got traded there. They've got Scal Bassier. He looked really good. You know, they got a lot a lot of young guys. Then they add two lottery picks in a loaded draft. Like, the Kings, I don't hate what the Kings are doing. I mean, they're years away, but whatever. My sleeper to watch as the draft approaches is Donovan Mitchell from Louisville, who the Knicks so secretly, not so secretly, love. Who looks athletic as hell, is a great defender, can shoot, and like monster dunks. I'm like already in love with this guy. Hopefully the Knicks don't take him at eight. So that takes us through the first half or two thirds of our podcast. It's well, this would be a great time for a sponsor, but we don't have a sponsor. So thanks, Timber Pizza, for being our unofficial sponsor in uh, DC. But this is an NBA Finals preview podcast. I just talked about a mock draft for 12 minutes, so I'm sure everyone is either not listening or doesn't care. But let's talk NBA Finals. Round three of Cavs-Warriors. All this talk of that these super teams and Katie the Warriors is, is, quote, bad for the NBA. It's bad for NBA fans of teams that are not LeBron fans or the Warriors fans. It's great for the league, though. Because this, I mean... This series is going to go down in history, whatever happens. Everyone's going to talk about this. It's never happened before. I believe it's never happened before. I could be wrong. But the money that's going to come in, the storylines that are going on that we're about to talk about, it's just it's going to be great TV. I mean, every, every NBA fan I've talked to, just my buddies have been like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling to tune into, like, Warriors Jazz. Like, who cares? Or, like, Toronto... Milwaukee. That was fun if you're like watching the Greek Freak, but most of them even like I don't care. Everybody cares about LeBron, LeBron and Kyrie and Love versus the Warriors. With KD joining the fold, Curry, Clay, Dre, Draymond after like try to redeem himself after the suspension last year, the drama is going to be unbelievable. So let's look at their roads. Warriors have swept all the way to the finals in historic fashion. They beat Portland without Nurkic, who they would have beat probably swept anyway. They swept the Jazz. They swept uh, the Spurs. We talked about that. Zaza takes out Kawhi. Side note, I, I think Zaza knew what he was doing. I don't think Zaza's like maliciously trying to take Kawhi out. But I also think he's an NBA player who's been in the league like 10 years. Don't tell me he's not aware that he's closing out real tight under where he's going to land. I just don't believe that. And that series, I think, would have been fun like to see if Kawhi could like elevate himself to that level. And he looked like he could through a half, which is a small sample size. But anyway, we'll never know. Cavs basically sleptwalked to the finals, literally falling asleep during the Celtics series, losing their only game, where I think LeBron was just, I'm not going to try, and let's see if my guys could figure this out without me, which they didn't, and then they won every other game. Beat the Raptors without Lowry. Before that, they swept the Pacers. They beat the Celtics without IT. I mean, it's been pretty lack of drama for the main two teams going into this. 
Here are my concerns for the Warriors. One, Clay Thompson has been, I would say, bad. I mean, he's still shooting like 36% from three, which for him is not great, but still as an NBA player is pretty good. Shooting 38% from the field. He's only averaging 14 points a game. In comparison, he averaged 28 last playoffs. I know they signed KD. I think if Clay like wakes up and starts hitting shots, this series could be over already. But if Clay is still on this funk, I know, and we'll talk about the way Curry has been playing. We'll talk about KD. But Clay Thompson has been pretty bad for him, and that concerns me. Other concerns I have for the Warriors: their uh, their ability to close out a series, which they just swept their way to the finals. It sounds crazy, but they haven't really been tested. KD blew a 3-1 lead last year against the Warriors and has never won anything. So KD is one of the best players in the league, but he's never won anything. So it's not like he's bringing that winning culture. And the Warriors, I think, they blew a 3-1 lead series last year. I think if it gets tight, you know, I know eight, Draymond is like a maniac. And no moment is going to scare Draymond. But I'm not as positive. I'm like 90% certain that nothing will bother the rest of the team. But like, there's like 10% of me that's like... Is Curry going to like freeze up a little bit? Is KD going to freeze up a little bit? Because we've seen it happen to all of them last year. So that are those are concerns for me, for the Warriors. For the Cavs, uh, perimeter defense. What did the Cavs do in the offseason? They lost Elvadova, who was great for them in the finals last year. Well, great to stretch, but did what he needed to do for them. They've brought in Deron Williams and Kyle Korver, who are both... Not known for their defense, and that's putting it lightly. Okay, Corver has been doing Corver things. He could shoot, obviously. Duran, they got him for nothing. So it's not like it's a bad pickup. But they both suck at defense, and that's an issue. I mean, I think they need J.R. J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert need to play great. You know, like, Shumpert just needs to not hurt them, which he sometimes does offensively. And J.R. needs to not have a Knicks-type two for 15 night for the entire playoff series like it did for the Knicks so many times. But if they play well and then they get defend on the perimeter, then the Warriors, I think the Cavs will be okay. But if they are struggling, like JR can't hit a shot, so they can't play him as much. Or Shumpert comes out and tries to do too much like he does a lot. Those are concerns for me. I also think if anything happens to Tristan Thompson, the series is over. If he rolls an ankle... If he gets in bad foul trouble, if he gets tossed out of a game for like a, getting in a fight with Draymond, which if I'm Draymond, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get under Tristan's skin the whole series. I think Tristan Thompson is their third best player in this series. Kevin Love has been amazing. He's, Kevin Love is playing the best he's played in a Cavs jersey this playoffs. But Draymond owns Kevin Love. And I still expect Kevin Love to play and like make an impact. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Cleveland look for Cleveland to possibly play Tristan or LeBron at the four, and maybe not even go with with Love down the stretch. We'll see. I don't. I don't know. But Tristan Thompson, Tristan Thompson has to stay healthy because with Bogut, they picked up Bogut. He got hurt immediately. They really don't have anyone else. So those are my concerns for the Cavs. Why are the Warriors going to win? Warriors are fresh this year. Last year, they won for 73 wins. They just came off a seven-game series with OKC, which they were down 3-1. They were noticeably tired down the stretch, especially Curry. 
they also happen to add one of the best, maybe the second or third best player in the league in Kevin Durant. So that's why the Warriors will win. If Thompson gets hot, it's over. Why are the Cavs going to win? They're healthy. Kyrie is healthy. Love is healthy. Love is, I already just said it, loves playing the best ball of his life in a Cavs jersey. LeBron, to me, looks no worse than he was last year in the playoffs. I, I just don't think he slowed down at all. So, they won last year. Why would they not lose again if they're healthy and LeBron is healthy? So, who wins? I know you're all dying to know. I think home court wins out the first four games. I think the Warriors are going to win the first two of the series in, in uh, at Oracle. I think the Cavs are are going to, you know, come back and win their next two in Cleveland. And then I think the series will be won and lost in Game 5, where I predict LeBron shows his greatness. It's a good game. But like I said, my concerns are a little bit of KD icing up, a little bit of Curry icing up. Oh. Curry, by the way, I left this out. Why the Warriors win? Curry is playing the best basketball of his life in the playoffs. Even... Better than when he played when they won the championship two years ago. Just I meant to say this earlier. He's averaging 29 points a game this playoffs. He's shooting 60%. 60% from two-point range. That's insane. And 50, no, that's 50% from the field. 43% from three. So Curry is so locked in, it's scary. So that's another reason why the Warriors won. That being said, I think LeBron doesn't lose at home. I think LeBron shows out in Game 5. I think the Warriors get, the, the pressure gets to them. I think Warriors win Game, or the Cavs win Game 5. I'm taking the Cavs in 6. I think they win out at home. And the LeBron, is he better than Jordan talk could really start. Also, Stephen A. Smith, who's incorrectly predicted the NBA Finals the last six years, took the Warriors in seven, which is basically a kiss of death. So, there you have it. First solo pod. I like the Cavs in six, which probably means the Warriors will sweep. I regularly get these predictions wrong. You got a mock draft that you didn't ask for. It's probably two weeks too early. And I got your Wizards offseason plan. That's basically it. So thanks for listening. I know we haven't potted in a while. We're trying to get back into it. Check us out on Twitter during the finals. Two underscore idiots talking. I'm going to start blasting that out a little bit more. Try maybe live tweeting during some games. I'm going to try and get my buddies on throughout the finals. Uh, we got old old friend of the pod, Julian. Big LeBron fan. I got my buddy, Zach, who's a psycho Warriors fan. That should be fun. So look for us to try and pot a little bit more regular during the finals and then really amp it up over the summer for NBA free agency stuff where I could finally start talking about the Knicks again because that's all I want to talk about. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Two Idiots Talking Sports with Alex and no one else. We're out. Peace. Be sure to get down good along with the Two Idiots Talking Sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. 
It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. You can't get them out of your mind, no. They talk about the sports all the time.